0: Trouble on the drum, Beat out old trouble on the drum, and kick all trouble out the door. Beat me that rhythm on the drum, beat me that rhythm on the drum, beat me that rhythm on the drum, and kick all trouble out the door, kick him out the door.
1: Welcome to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR. This program is streaming on 3cr.org.au. The program will also be podcast, so you can always access the podcast at 3cr.org.au. My name's Joseph Tosco. I've got another guest to be sacrificed today, mm-hmm. uh, Judy Gunson. How are you, Judy?
2: I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm in trepidation, though. This uh, don't be in that
1: trepidation. <laughs> this is a conversation. It's not an interview. I'm you in. can relax. I'm not going to uh, divulge any uh, family secrets so you can relax, okay? <laughs> All right, okay. I'm I think it's appropriate. Although we had that, we've had that song for a few years since I interviewed Margaret Roadnight, it's very appropriate currently. So, what are you doing currently? Oh, very little. I'm a musician, so um, you're a musician.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's not a, not a lot going on. Um, I haven't done any mm. live live-to-air gigs mm. or anything like that, like some of my colleagues have. But a, a little bit of mm. teaching and trying to stay mm. connected to um, Extinction Rebellion, which I'm part of, and some other local
1: uh, mm. climate. Mm. So,
2: have
1: you got a balcony? You got a balcony?
2: Oh, yeah, I leave the house. But, yeah, why? Oh, singing? Like the Italians? Well,
1: you could, if you've got a balcony, you could play. Do you sing? you play an instrument? What do you do? I
2: sing and I play accordion.
1: Yeah, well, you could actually uh, serenade your neighbours like they used to do in Italy during the height of the oh. COVID-19 epidemic. Oh, I know, I
2: know. It was beautiful, wasn't it? But I think, you know, yes. the Italians are, are um, I don't know, maybe. Well, I think they Buildings are closer together, too. I, I always thought
1: if I would went yeah, out
2: there, I'm sort of playing to a tree, but...
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All well, right. So, yeah, well, that's the main thing. Now, uh, look, I only asked two questions during this 56-minute ordeal. One is your uh, the year you were born, just to orientate listeners. So what year were you born? 1958. Fifty-eight. So you've been around a while, like the rest of us. Like yeah. uh, I think our uh, normal three CR cohorts. You know, I'd be surprised yeah. if anybody under twenty was listening, but you never know. You <laughs> never
2: know.
1: You never know. And what's the first thing you remember about being on planet Earth? Hmm.
2: I, I I always feel a bit sad about not having more memories. I, mm. I might re, I might remember. Something from a big boat trip that my family took when I was perhaps five, four or five. Mm. Just uh, there was a very traumatic event when I dropped um, some beads and they scattered all over the the deck. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there was an incident... <laughs> there's, there's a something I remember about peanut butter too, so food, which no. probably I, I'm
1: still... Keen on. You didn't, you didn't pull apart your uh, mother's expensive pearl necklace and all the pearls kind of shattered around the deck and fell in the sea?
2: No, no. I think that the pearls were all for me. It was all all about me and my dollies uh, I think, or something.
1: All right. Fair enough. So where were you born?
2: I was born in Melbourne.
1: Mm. Commiseration, and commiseration.
2: <laughs> I don't remember it though. I think like my first memory is is being on that ship. I think, and we were going to America, and then when we came back to um, Australia a few years later, we ended up in Sydney. So you're uh, so born in
1: Melbourne. So uh, are your parents still alive?
2: They are, and they're going uh, to be listening.
1: So, so we can't say anything bad about them, can we? Well, you can, but, you know. <laughs> no, nah, what's the point? What's the point? Oh, They've they paid their dues. Well, you're very lucky to be born in 58 and have parents still alive. You know how lucky you are. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do, I do. Uh, what were they like? What are they like? Tell us about them.
2: Well, they're um, lovely people. I mean, they're listening, so um, I'm feel- feeling sort <laughs> Like I'm speaking to them, I guess, but uh, full of love and um, not just for us, but for the world. So they've been great activists and um, just, yeah, very big thinking, big
1: caring people. Mm, That's good. And you got any brothers and sisters? One brother. One brother. One brother, And And I assume he's a merchant banker. That's
2: yes, right, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he went bad.
1: He went he bad. Was bad. He went bad. <laughs> so, uh, can yeah. I ask you, why did you go to the USA or America when you were five? What happened?
2: Well, it wasn't my decision.
1: No, um, but, you know, you had that. Uh, my
2: dad was studying. He was doing his... Masters in Religious Education mm-hmm. at a seminary in um, in uh, Pennsylvania, the country in Pennsylvania, you know, yep. deep in the, um, I don't know, the corn tobacco belt yeah. there where the Amish people are.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: that was pretty amazing. He studied, in, he'd uh, already trained as a Protestant minister, congregational minister, and... He was interested in adult Christian education. I think. I hope I'm saying mm-hmm. the right thing, Dad.
1: Right. And uh, well, he just took the whole family. So how did how did you survive? Did you have some type of scholarship, or did you have to work? Or
2: no, I think uh, there was a bit of a loan from the family, but I, I'm not privy to all the details. And there might have right. been f- some support yeah. from from. The community there, but Dad worked while he did some uh, he was working at the at the church, one of the churches there where we lived
0: right. while oh, yeah. he
2: studied and I think the mm-hmm. community there looked after us pretty
1: well uh, how, how many years were you there? Do you remember just two two and what what's some outstanding memories?
2: Well, there was the peanut butter jar, I remember.
0: Again,
2: peanut butter. (laughs) Well, that was the second. That's my second memory: is the peanut butter jar next door, which I remember being really enormous, and um, Mm -hmm. playing with the girl next door and uh, and a walnut tree, and uh, going to the World Fair and all the little dolls singing, "It's a small world after all." (laughs)
1: You (laughs) went to the World Fair. I've never been yeah. to a world Fair. You've, you've done well.
2: 1965
1: or, I don't know, something like that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Did you do any, any schooling while you were there? Yeah. Yeah, I did... Um,
2: oh, I don't know whether I did... It. I did first grade. I'll have to ask whether whether I did two years there or only one.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: My teacher's yeah. name was Miss Wogglemoose.
1: Miss Mwogglemouth. Yeah, that's right. Right. And so uh, did you take a, a plane back to Sydney or did you take a, another ship? Four boats, yeah. Both. Right. Okay. You Bo- spent boats, pretty. Long... I mean, ships both ways. Right, right. Both ways. You took a ship back to Sydney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what was that like? you a bit older now. You should remember a bit more.
2: Well, this is the thing. Did the beads get lost on the way there or the way home? I, just, I don't right. know. I have. I just, you know, you have those memories of, that they're pretty mm. um, scattered. Mm. Yeah. I remember being mm. really tiny in the, um, in the pool in on the ship's pool, and there being big waves. Uh-huh. So I must have got that day. Right. And I remember. And, yeah, the food
1: thing from when we ate, I guess we ate at the big dining room or something. Yeah, you would, yeah. Shipping. Worry, uh, <laughs> yeah. well, What with this COVID 19 pandemic, think of all those cruise ships that are kind of parked somewhere and rotting. Uh, ah. Yeah. Uh, very sad. So when you got to Sydney, did you, your father uh, obviously he would have had his own ministry by then? Would he when he got to Sydney? Or?
2: Yeah, I mean he did before and and he did after as well. And um, joined together with another local minister, and they they shared a church. And they were pretty radical. It was the seventies, and we had um, mm-hmm. yeah. threw away the gown and the pulpit, and had flutes and guitars and.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Not a lot of talk about God. I think it was more Jesus and and what would He do and yeah, going yeah. to the you know the Vietnam anti-Vietnam War marches and thinking yeah. about uh, what you know how you'd how you'd live that way. Mm.
1: And, and how is your poor mum coping with all this?
2: How how is she? Now, how is
1: she coping with all these these changes? Did she embrace them, or is she more of a orthodox uh, congregationalist?
2: No, no, no. I think she was. She might have started out being the radical one in the relationship. Right.
1: <laughs> That's
2: good. But I don't know. I mean, they, they were pretty well, much together know. in it. Together
1: in it in it all. I think. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I remember about. Sydney, because I, I think I'd be about your father's age. The only thing I remember about Sydney in the 1970s was the children of God and flirty fishing in the Hare Krishna. Event. And that was a, a big thing then, because I used to come to Sydney a lot when I was a young person. Okay. Uh, so we. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have said that. They weren't very nice people. <laughs>
2: well, Dad's
1: nearly 90. Oh, oh well, he was, was a late starter then. He's nearly 90. Yeah, well. I no. wish I was nearly ninety. Yeah. See? Who so is there? Oh, who knows? Who knows? It's my lifestyle, you never know. I'm not a musician, so you know. Angst is my uh my middle name when you look after people who are sick, it's always responsible. Are you working so getting back to Yeah, I'm doing about um two and a half days a week, uh, so uh you've got to take all the precautions but you just can't. When you're a doctor, you just can't walk away during a uh, period like this. is the time that you basically need it more, more than most. So there's a, lot of fear sad, out yeah. the there's a lot of fear yeah. out there in the community currently, especially in Melbourne currently, because it um, hasn't been a good situation for a while. But this is more about you. So where did you go to primary school in Sydney? Um, I went to a couple of primary schools
2: in the... Mm-hmm. I think it's called the North Shore. I'm not sure. The Beecroft Primary and Eastwood mm-hmm. Primary near mm-hmm. Epping. Anyway, Epping sort of all the Hornsby line.
0: I'm,
2: right. not, I'm, st- I'm not. I'm really not very clear about Sydney geography. Gotta say.
1: No. Well, I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> but
2: I think it was northish. It was very bushy, and yeah, um, yeah it
1: wasn't a poor neighbourhood. No. Did you um, excel at anything in primes? Did you find that there was anything you were interested in? Hmm. Mm. Um, no. I don't,
2: yeah. yeah, I don't think... I didn't find school difficult, but I can't remember being really interested in anything perhaps other than um, music and
1: drawing, maybe. Mm. Why, why music? I know you said why music. Your parents musical, or
2: I don't know. They make jokes about failures at learning piano. I think they both had piano <laughs> lessons, didn't go very well. But um, I, we we were given a piano by some relatives, and, mm. and I had piano lessons and from an old lady down the road, and loved it and loved mm. her, and so it was just always mm. part of my. Identity,
1: uh-huh. I guess.
2: Really young. Oh, hmm. it's well, good.
1: Yeah, look, I never had piano. Yeah. I think the only thing I remember was a recorder lessons in primary school. That was. <laughs> yeah,
2: a lot of people were
1: traumatized
2: by, by recorder, and I did it too. I had a recorder. I suck
1: yes, yes. it. smell it,
2: you know.
1: You can smell it. Yeah, you know. the stale spit stay off a bit because you'd never clean it. <laughs> <laughs> it was unpleasant. I remember. Look, are you bringing the, back bad memories? Um,
2: the other thing I remember was um, the, I think it was the ABC radio hour or something. We used to sit and listen in the classroom and sing along with these funny songs. Right. Like uh, 500 mm. Miles. you have that? Did you yeah, yeah, radio? yeah. Radio in the,
1: and you'd all sit there and No, no. We didn't have radio in the classroom, no, no. All I remember was uh...
2: and the other things. We had a little book with all the
1: mm-hmm. words.
2: No, yeah, okay. I thought that might
1: be a shared memory, but Right. Did uh as your parents were religiously inclined, were you religiously inclined at that stage? Did you
2: well, this is a really interesting topic in my family because i think um I don't know how religiously inclined they were or are it's uh um, oh. it's uh i know i know when we were teenagers we i think we made a fuss about saying grace and sort of had had it forbidden or well, that's my memory I'll have to ask them but uh yeah. I I don't think that God was the big focus, like I said for um, mm-hmm. for them. It was more that time that they grew up, grew up in that was, and they met in the student Christian movement, and uh, it was more about thinking and doing, you know, acting in the world sort of thing. Um, and they were pretty left wing from um, very early, and and actually, Dad dropped out of. The church when he was in his early forties, and mm-hmm. uh, didn't really go after that. Mum kept going because mm-hmm. she enjoyed it, but um, when and when he retired, he wrote a book, a theological book, which he his working title was "Getting Rid of God." So mm-hmm. he, the, the publishers mm-hmm. made him turn it into something a little bit more dull, which was right. God ethi- ethics and secular society, but. I always
1: wished he'd kept the working title. Well, you could you could republish the book for him. Hey? You could republish the book.
2: I could, I could republish
1: it. <laughs> With the working title.
2: Or the second edition could have the other title. Yeah,
1: second edition. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, second edition, you know. Ah, uh, well, these things take money, unfortunately, and as you're a musician... No work, it's uh, not you likely. <laughs> no, you're right, the 60s were quite a lot of radical Christians on the campus. I was on the campus, I started I think in 1970, University of Queensland. A lot of radical Christians, Libera- liberation theology was big in the Catholic movement, and uh, a lot of radical um, Protestants on campus, and there was a lot of questioning not just of society and institutions, but obviously of uh, religious institutions and what it meant to be a Christian. And, yeah, I remember all those debates. So they, they were endless. <coughs> you know, the difference between university in those days and today is, is the concept of continuous assessment. You know, we didn't have continuous assessment. We just have an exam at the end of the year, so you could do what you like, basically. You
2: know? Yeah, yeah, well, that's what I did. I mean, I went to university to experience mm-hmm. the world.
1: I didn't get very yeah. good marks at all. No, but you got into university. So how, oh, how long did you last in Sydney for? How long did you life in Sydney for? I think we were.
2: I was about 15 or 14 when I we mm-hmm. came back to because of
1: grandparents here. Right. Yeah. You kind of had an interrupted schooling, as they say.
2: Yeah, I had six schools, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. What, high schools?
2: Three of each.
1: Three, three of each. Three,
2: mm-hmm. three high schools and three primary schools.
1: Mm-hmm. Is it something you regret? Because sometimes uh, a lot of people have lifelong friendships, especially from high schools. They go to the same high school for five or six years.
2: I don't think you can regret
1: it, but I think it forms you. I definitely
2: think it forms you um, uh, in some ways quite deeply. So, I don't know. What was the
1: impact?
0: Hmm.
2: What was the impact? Um,
1: On you, yeah.
2: Well, I don't know exactly. I think there must be some loss of a sense of belonging that comes mm-hmm. with it. Uh, when I the move that we made when I was, you know, in the middle of my puberty, I, I went a bit crazy for a few years because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I had a group of friends that I in Sydney that I wasn't quite able to replace. But I don't know, you survive. I quite liked being bad, anyway. You liked being so, Yeah, I think I quite liked being a troubled teenager.
1: I think it suited Did mine. It. <laughs> I don't know. That's <laughs> so, so, What was a troubled... What, what, what's a troubled teenager in the, uh, what, uh, mid-70s?
2: What? Yeah, I know, that's right. I mean, we were all troubled, weren't we? Um, Well, you know, I I didn't do anything too bad. I just used to stop. I used to not go to school sometimes and not wear the proper Mm. uniform and get detentions and hang out at the local shopping centre. I won't say any more because my parents are listening.
1: It it sounds very normal childhood. (laughs)
2: It does, yes. It wasn't nothing too easy. No murder.
1: Nothing like that. No jail time. No, no, that's right. Yeah, well you did very well. Yeah. yeah. As a parent there's two things you don't want to see your child is one get addicted to something and two end up in jail basically. So two mm-hmm. So when um you finished high school you said you went to university. How come you got these good marks to go to university when you didn't actually go to school? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think
2: my, my mother takes the credit helped me cram okay. for the exams because like you say, in the uh, old days I did the HSC um, but it was just one big exam at the end of the year
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. and my top mark
2: was art and uh, mm-hmm. I, was, I don't know that was pretty dodgy really, the way it was assessed
0: <laughs> so I
2: did well I did really well and I got into law but I didn't wasn't crazy about it I was too busy did
1: being you? a student. Yeah. Right. What What university? I went to Monash first. Uh huh. Did art did, law. Did you fit? Yeah.
2: Hey, what was
1: that? Did you finish your law degree? No, I didn't. No, I was very some. No, I was going pre- <laughs> to ask you for some pre-legal advice, but I can't now. <laughs> no,
2: oh, sorry, sorry. I, I I think I failed third year, and that's when I decided I was going to um, study music, and I transferred uh-huh. to to La Trobe and did the whole mm-hmm. started the whole thing again. Did a music degree. Uh,
1: what's that like doing a music degree?
2: Oh, well, Trobe was really interesting. It had a very short and bright uh, life as a. Uh, it was, a, it, was a, it was a strange mixture of was sort of 20th century classical concepts and improvisation, and letting people in who didn't, who, who weren't literate musically, so couldn't write or read it, and uh, sort of experimenting and listening to music that made strange sounds and opened your ears up. And, and then there was components of jazz and Components of African music and uh, uh, yeah, it was a it was a very uh, fertile place for a while, but it, it didn't really survive mm-hmm. the passing. It's but uh, the, the founding professor Keith Humble, when he he left, it's it sort of its way a bit, and and then the the university
1: went into the kill and. Got rid of it. Yeah, a lot of those courses went that way. You're right. So once you've um, graduated with music degree, is the world your oyster?
2: Oh yeah, heaven! <laughs> I think um, I've got some really good reception receptionist jobs.
1: <laughs> did they give you what? Did you have to ring a, a little. Xylophone or something as a receptionist? Is that why they hired you? Because you had the music degree? I think so. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think I mucked around for a while and uh, did some. I did some interesting jobs. I did a, an archival job uh, collecting recordings of contemporary music, that contemporary classical music for a while. That was sort of interesting. Made a few. Connections around the country, and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, did did a lot of um, temp secretarial work while doing occasional theatre work. I I was in my thirties. I was very lucky to work with a Melbourne company called Chambermaid Opera that had a very successful show that toured all over the place. So I got to Mm -hmm. see all
1: sorts of bits of Latin America and. um, So what did you do with Chambermaid? orchestra, what did you actually what was your role?
2: Well it was one particular show which was actually a real minimal show, it had a a woman on stage singing and acting and basically carrying the show Helen Noonan Mm -hmm. and and then it had a couple of accompanists one was a pianist who um, played for her when she sang and, and I was called the off stage accompanist and I played this amazing soundtrack by uh, a local sound artist, composer called David Chesworth. And it was just, it was really simple, my part. So I travelled mm-hmm. the world doing this really, you know, basically pressing one finger here and there on a sampler keyboard and doing and, um,
0: and you doing got paid.
2: Got paid. And I, I, never, I never stopped loving the show either, which was really great. It was yeah. just very clever this group devised um, show that I think was initially commissioned by um, VicArts or something like that to, as, a, as a way of introducing people and maybe students particularly to opera. But it just was this really clever, clever show mm. called Recite. You can still find it on YouTube.
1: So,
2: so, so how long did this last for? Oh well, I don't know. Maybe fifteen years.
1: On 15, and off. 15 years.
2: Here. Yeah, but not constantly. You'd yeah. do a tour, a couple of tours each each um, each year, and yep. on it would go, and then you'd come mm-hmm. home and do your other stuff. Is it?
1: Is this show Australia's mouth track? Is it?
2: Could be. I haven't seen. Is it it, it the longest running musical ever, or something? Same
1: market. Same three people.
2: No, no. And um, and David, who wrote the music that I played or Mm -hmm. worked it out, a lot of it was pastiche and um, samples and stuff. um, He only did the first. Run in Melbourne, and then I took it mm-hmm. over to, from Sydney, and then on around Australia and around the world. And mm-hmm. uh, the off-stage accompanist, I mean the on-stage accompanist, the pianist also changed. and There was about five amazing pianists um, mm-hmm. over the years, and uh, even the yeah. But it was pretty night nice, tight knit team and I, I, I stuck it through right to the end yeah. and Helen Noonan of course the, the star,
1: she did did a lot. I said where in the world did you kind of look and say my god you know, <laughs> you were really <laughs> surprised mm.
2: Well the places I found the most interesting to travel, well Latin America mm. was um, uh Really different, and particularly uh, Bogota, wow. which was which was you know streets lined with um, soldiers with mach- machine guns and don't go even one street either way or you'll be kidnapped or you'll be knifed or you'll be you know whatever. Wow. The, the the you look out of your rich hotel. Window and right down there was the the barrio where the, all the poor people lived. Also, when we went to um, Caracas in Venezuela, um, that was very interesting because uh, we had a uh, a sort of a guide, like a a person looking after the te- the, the group, who came from a very wealthy family, and. We saw how his family lived, and at the same time, I had a, a good friend who'd made his who was being a bohemian writer and had, had ended up in one of the poorest barrios in Caracas outskirts. And we went and visited him too, so so we saw the the range of living
1: conditions there. Mm-hmm. People say travel broadens the mind, and obviously it did in your situation because you actually a lot of people don't take any notice of what's happening outside their hotel window, but obviously that was a uh, you did. Well, I think when you like, work, um, you mm-hmm. have a have a quite different
2: access to the you know, the place you go to than you do if you're just a tourist and you um mm-hmm. it depends how you tra- how you travel though. For example my friend Philip Rowe, who was this guy who who'd ended up living in the barrio his his way of being a tourist was to just completely immerse himself. He he refused even to fly. He he worked his passage across to um I maybe Miami or somewhere on a boat
1: because mm-hmm. he
2: wanted to he wanted to actually experience getting there as well, mm-hmm. and then managed mm-hmm. to get um sort of kidnapped by some young crim type when he got to Caracas and taken to to this barrio and had everything robbed, he didn't speak any Spanish, and then he was rescued by their neighbours, who <laughs> took him in. Right. And, and he ended up, ended up living there for years with his typewriter, <laughs> like, you know, whoever, mm. and... Uh, Living with this, this woman who, who told told these crims off and said, give him back his camera, give him. <laughs> <laughs> so he 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 uh, when he travelled he experienced everything he got he sort of mm-hmm. let everything happen
1: to him. Mm-hmm. I had a, just a tiny taste. I'm a bit too conservative. Right, well, I think I think it's different being a man and a woman in those situations. Very possibly. I don't know. I was never afraid, I've got to
2: say, when I was young. Really? Is that your personality? or? Yeah, I think so. It might be a lack of awareness, but I always had this um, unshakable
1: belief in my own survival. Mm. Just one last question about these 15 years. Um, what was the most unusual venue you think that you, uh, uh, you played at? Mm.
2: Nothing too unusual that I can think of, um, yeah. but a lot of variety. And I mean, of course, the the uh, working in Latin America was, was really interesting, um, not necessarily for the venue. Um, for example, again, in Bogota, because uh, I always worked with the sound guys, that was my um, the nature of my job because I played a sampler keyboard and so it was all going through mixes and had to, all the sound had to be picked up during the, the setup up of the show. But I remember in Bogota, when I got there, I guess labour was pretty cheap. So um, instead of having one sound guy, I had, I had about 20 young guys around me who were <laughs> pushing faders <laughs> up and down and, you know, really... Excited to be part of, part of this thing, but uh, it wasn't no. necessarily the most efficient way to work. But, but it was sort of no. it was that was interesting, and also um, uh, South Korea was interesting too. But it, again, it wasn't really the venues; it was just the um, the foreignness of the culture.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been to South Korea a few times. I've got, I've got friends there, local, and um, it's an extraordinary place. I don't think people realise how uh, extraordinary it can be, especially if you are going to the countryside. Mm, yeah, I did,
2: we didn't do enough of that, that but we mm-hmm. we did benefit from um, you know being working and, ha- and having local people who we were working with. So we we were taken out to dinner places, but we were also invited to people's homes and mm-hmm. and uh, had the opportunity to ask and be shown things about the traditions and the customs, you know, mm-hmm. like how you how you pour a drink for somebody if they're mm-hmm. more senior yeah. to you or, mm-hmm. you
1: know, just all those little details that make it really interesting. Yeah, very interesting people. Like I, um, in I think it was 94, my late wife and myself, we were guests of the um, Korean anarchist movement and one of my... Enduring memories will be when this 92-year-old anarchist jumped on a table, or well, crawled on a table, in a restaurant in the middle of nowhere and started singing an Italian love song in Italian. <laughs> so they, they can be extraordinary characters. Yeah, yeah extraordinary characters. Yeah. Do
2: you watch a lot of Korean movies? There's a lot. You what watch heaps on SBS On Demand. I don't know that they're the best
1: ones, but... No. No, you can. No, I don't. I don't watch movies that much. I am. Um, I, um, I'm not part of the verge I don't do much stuff like that. I do a lot of other stuff, but I don't do much vich watching, to be honest. Now, getting mm. back to you, after 15 years wandering the streets, now I got very excited when I first spoke to you because you mentioned the word piano accordion. Mm-hmm. You're, you're
2: well, a professional it piano accordion. <laughs> They
1: start yawning. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. What did you love affair for piano accordion stuff? Well, because I played the
2: piano. Um, mm. at, at, at this one point when I was in my early 30s, I was working in a firm of architects as their general office boy and uh, mm. they were all Greeks and Italians and yep. one of them was married to a... Or, or one of their friends, was married to a Lamberti. If you know anything about the Lamberti Brothers music store. No, it uh,
1: yep, yep, was yep. a
2: massive music store in um, North Melbourne mm. on Victoria Street. And uh, I don't know, I needed a portable instrument for something or other. And and this guy, Stephen Zachariah, he just took me into the Lamberti shop and he said... Here and he pulled one off the shelf for me and said, T- "Take that home." And I took it home and played with it, and I loved it. It was really interesting as a piano player. It was just like a totally different creature. It's you know you had this sustain and all that air and you could. I just thought, "Wow, this this has got soul." I thought, and, uh, and so I got myself one. Mm-hmm. One hundred and twenty-five dollars mm-hmm. from. A retired carpenter out in, also Italian, out in Doncaster mm. or somewhere, who, um, yeah. whose wife served me espresso and uh, biscotti while, while he um, demonstrated the accordion, and I took it home, and that was it. Yeah,
1: you know, no, I got excited because it reminded me of my childhood, because um, uh, you're quite right, uh, my parents were Sicilian migrants. And I remember, there'd always be somebody at a you know a family party who played the accordion badly. <laughs> it seemed to be a rite of passage to a piano of accordions everywhere.
2: Well, um, that's disappointing. You must have had a had a, 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 a that that your family played it badly because when I got this accordion back to the office
1: yeah.
2: back back then, it passed around every architect, every draftsman in the place and yeah. they could all play it.
1: Yeah. Every
2: one of them, every Greek and Italian in that room yeah. could play it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry, yeah. your family think, must just not have the music.
1: No, i think being
2: really rude.
1: No, I think they're agricultural libraries, you know, they didn't have time to practice. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. But yeah, well, i just say, really i just say, it was interesting. Now. It was yeah. interesting. I didn't, yeah. know. I didn't know they played badly at that stage. I thought it was great. It's only well, maybe like, they did.
2: Maybe they played really well. Um, and no, anyway, no. I, don't believe, I don't believe in that playing badly well stuff, Thank you. I think. No,
1: fair well,
2: I mean, obviously, there's a difference between, you know, a classical player who practices... Eight hours a day, mm-hmm. and reads like a demon, and plays as fast as whatever. But mm. uh, for me, music is—it uh, uh, well comes out of communal roots, and it's—it's it's really possible to make great music without virtuosity or without massive amount of skill so it's it's got it's got so much to do with innate um
1: appreciation. Mm. So, I guess. Yeah, look, I hate to be rude, but um uh, how do you survive playing the piano accordion?
2: Well, I did get a little help from Mr. Morrison. Uh-huh. Um you mean now
1: when I'm not performing? No, no. I mean before, before. I mean you've been playing what for about thirty years, haven't you? Twenty,
2: thirty years. Yeah, I've been professional for you know, mm-hmm. twenty, like completely just earning money from mostly the accordion um, for um, maybe twenty, but, twenty-five
1: years. Last twenty-five years. And yeah, so who, who you hires know, you? How do you, how do you make money playing the piano accordion? What? Well, the band
2: that's going that um, allowed me to earn a a living from it Uh, did you know we do concerts and stuff but we did a lot of parties and weddings and bar mitzvahs Mm. and all that sort of thing and that's Mm. how you survive Mm -hmm. and and you know pub gigs and roving around in restaurants and the whole lot of that there's quite a few people you know at this that sort of level of music in Melbourne that uh, survives pretty well. And actually, as I've got older, I've done more teaching and less playing, and I'm, I'm sort of quite happy with that because a lot of those, um, particularly playing in cafes and stuff, it's pretty hardcore um, on your body, but also very noisy and stuff. But I know people my age who are still doing that and just apart from COVID, they're out there making money doing, you know, three gigs mm-hmm. on the weekend and a few during the week and you can you can do it. But it's no. it's hard. I think it's it's not for the faint hearted. No, you're
1: not to no, be not rich. You're not rich. Of course not, no. <laughs> and you'd be working from week to week. It's not as if you've got a permanent gig most time.
2: No, that's right. But you do, you do, um, you do build up a, a word-of-mouth thing, I think. Mm-hmm. So there's a level level of reliability about it. And in some ways, com- mm-hmm. say, compared to an actor, where you have to slot in, you know, two months there and six weeks there and make them sort of all fit together, being a, mm-hmm. a musician who does parties and things, it's sort of easier because, you know, you book up that night and then you book out that
1: night and and uh, you, you fill it in. Mm-hmm. Do you actually teach the piano accordion or do you teach the
2: piano? Uh, uh, both, but probably more accordion over the mm-hmm. years. So I've been more the accordion. There's a lot of piano teachers out there and um, there's hardly any piano accordion which where I live, which is St Kilda. I've got two little orchestras that are all all accordions. You've got accordion mm-hmm. orchestras. That's right, and we we they're community orchestras, so they're people starting off from scratch, never having played a note. And uh, at the moment, we
1: orchestra on Zoom. <laughs> In fact, all my teaching is yeah. on Zoom at the moment. So, so can, can anybody access it or is it just uh, the people on Zoom? Yeah. Do you want
2: to
1: come along? No, 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 no. I don't particularly, but I'm just saying if listeners, if any listeners, can they actually access it? Can they go to... Look, you said you've got YouTube with the, um, with the play, but if, can they access your work? Can people access your work well, during we- the COVID-19 period?
2: Uh, well, it's, we have got a, like a... Are you talking about the accordion band?
1: Yeah, yeah. and your and your own work itself, yeah.
2: Well, the accordion band has a Facebook page, so you can um, oh. check us out, but we haven't made any recordings. There are some videos there, so you can see it. See it. It's got the um, rather sort of banal name of... Puran accordion band, but I guess you can remember that pretty easily,
1: yeah, it's not and, banal. now uh, <laughs> but
2: that's what it not is now and, uh, and when when we're uh, when we're not in lockdown, we rehearse at the uh, German club on um, oh, I know the German club, yeah, and we have a beer halfway through our our, session. Uh, so it's just awesome. like the
1: old footballers used to do, yeah.
2: That's right. We're well, we're
1: about we're not very professional,
2: and of course the second half of the rehearsal doesn't we
1: don't play quite so well. <laughs> How about your own work? Can people access your own work during this period?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I said, we haven't done any. Um,
1: no, I mean personally, your your own work yourself.
2: Well, I don't I don't really do anything solo. My My main band's called Stigetto Sisters and it's a trio of violin, accordion and double bass we all sing. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we're on Facebook too and on YouTube you can check us out, there's some videos. And we're a sort of a a crazy gypsy-ish sort of band. A little bit like the same repertoire you might get in an old-fashioned Italian wedding band. Uh
1: Uh-huh.
2: All those old favourites, but then we sort of go a bit weird with some jazz or improvisation and some, oh. some Hungarian folk
1: music and some modern classical stuff. So we're a bit... Yeah. Outside of music, do you have, do you have any other interests?
2: Uh, look, climate's been the thing that's um, taken over my life a bit recently. I um, started hearing about Extinction Rebellion and I've always been beating myself up because I've been the child of activists and I've never felt like I've never done anything. And uh, mm-hmm. But then I, I was really interested in the Extinction Rebellion concept and how it sort of extended past... Well, it was taking things into your own hands by um, civil disobedience, but it was also... Um, I don't know, it's just so well thought out in terms of the whole approach, including uh, the ideas of Citizens' Assemblies um, for decision-making, which education and self-education and decision-making to try to cut through um, the division that politicians seem to want us to participate in. I loved a lot of it and I started going to my local meeting, also in a pub. <laughs> Everything's in a pub. Right oh, in uh, St
1: Kilda.
2: Uh, hey, it, yeah, it was the Port Phillip Extension Rebellion Group. We, uh, we, meet, we used to meet in, in the pub down in St Kilda. Now we're on
1: Zoom too. And uh, now, how do you actually, you guess
2: what? You guess what? what?
1: Port
2: Phillip Extinction Group, do you? Uh, well, Extinction Rebellion has this process that you go through to to join. But if you just mm. wanted to find our group, it's also on Facebook. Everything's on Facebook. You just you can just type in Port, Port Phillip Extinction Rebellion or Extinction Rebellion Port Phillip, and we have. I think we put the details of the Zoom meeting there, or ways of ways you can contact us. But there's mm-hmm. there's groups all over in Melbourne. They're a little bit um, uh, they're in a sort of like a planning phase at the moment because the sort of raison d'être of of it is getting out on the streets and getting arrested and um, making a fuss. So nobody's much as doing that
1: during coronavirus lockdown? No, you kind of um, cut your own throat doing that, I think, uh, in the community. That's right. It's uh, it's a difficult time, very difficult time, and obviously we need to um, look at our neighbours and uh, what they're facing, and uh, sometimes you've just got to take a step backwards in these situations. I mean, I was involved in a lot of things which are... You know, in hibernation, I call it a hibernation period, you know. It doesn't mean you're not thinking and planning, but... um, Mm. You, know, you can't, can't put the community. You can't put your friends and neighbours and community at risk. You know, for those reasons. So, have yeah. you been arrested yet, uh, young Judy?
2: Well, no, I, I haven't decided that that's what I want.
1: <laughs> yes. That's fair enough. <laughs> My mother will be relieved,
2: but uh, right. uh, it's not. It's not completely off the table. Uh, I
1: don't know. Well, you're an wrong. old woman. Why would your mother care if you are arrested? You're an old woman these days.
2: Uh, what, you think they'd be kind
1: to me? Yeah, yeah they'd I be mean, kind to you. They won't kick you. You'd be all right.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, it probably would be fine. Mm. And, uh, it, you know, I mean, I think there's ways you can get arrested where uh, if you go with the police... Yeah, you know, without fighting it mm-hmm. or making a mm-hmm. fuss, then they're not, they're not going to push you around or all that sort of stuff, and no. possibly won't even you won't even get a fine. I don't know what the or, but you know you end up going to court and all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I think, think the difference is between the difference between your parents' days and today is that uh, there's cameras everywhere. Every everybody's an instant reporter, so they can't get away for a lot. I mean, uh, yeah. it was different um, when your parents were radicals and I was a radical. You know, much more difficult. It was, mm. it wasn't unusual to have a shit kicked out of you, basically. But that's a different story. Now we've got about five minutes to go. Do you got any any plans for the future apart from playing the piano accordion? Um, yeah, just the climate stuff. I think
2: I'll just I'll just stick with that and do what I can. Mm. Um. You know there's a lot of stuff going on in in our local group, uh, community at the moment to do with community emissions and stuff and just talking to people and staying informed and not getting too depressed and yeah I'm just in that phase of life where you you don't need much really
0: mm-hmm.
2: music's very fulfilling and and activism is very fulfilling too. I think. Don't mm-hmm. have room for much more. I've got the dog, and
1: the dog, the husband, the dog and the husband
2: as well. That's the
1: dog and the husband. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you I'm, I'm happy you put this, I'm happy put things in the right order. You know, the dog first <laughs> and the husband. It's good to meet you, mate.
2: That's just to do with who's most demanding.
1: Well, the dog's more demanding than the husband. Mhm. Mm. What type of dog is it?
2: <laughs> it's a little, a little residentarian.
1: Oh, no, no, no wonder. Hi, You'd be exhausted just looking at it.
2: <laughs> well, he's all right.
1: He's, all, he's right. all right. He's all right. So, I'm just going to ask you. A questions about the piano and accordion because, as I said, I'm very interested. And there may be one listener that's interested. Um, how difficult is it to learn? You said you do. You teach people from scratch.
2: Um. Oh, look, I think any instrument, depending on your age, any instrument is pretty challenging, and you have to have that. Uh, you have to have a bit of a commitment to doing it. Regularly, a bit like learning a language or a mm-hmm. sport or something. Um, if you're happy to do a little bit every day or, you know, five times a week, doesn't have to be much, 10 minutes, and uh, you listen to your teacher, you, you can do it. But you need to not expect what to expect to do, you know, to be brilliant. Straight away, I guess, some people find that a bit challenging, That it
1: yeah.
2: how, how how it does require work. So I suppose, yeah, I'd say
1: it's difficult. Uh, and uh, have you got any advice for any young listeners or even old listeners uh, uh, regarding um, life? Uh, we asked a big question here on Radical Australia. Mm-hmm. I've never been around
2: I, a while. I um, yeah, I don't don't not very good at advice. Um, well, wash your hands, <laughs> <laughs> wear your mask, and you know, like you've got to work out some way that you can show people that you're smiling even though you've got your mask on.
1: Mm. Look
2: after each and other, you- I suppose. Just. If, you, if you, that's, you, that's that's, that's probably it. Think, that's it, it. think as much as as much as you can about it, um, about everyone else. It, it helps in all sorts of ways. It helps me um, when I perform. You know, like if I'm nervous, if I if I just think, oh well, you know, I'm just doing something for them to enjoy.
1: Right.
2: Um. Somehow it chills me out particularly if there's mm. kids. I go, oh, it's just, you know, just doing some little thing for them to enjoy. So, yeah, I think the more you think about other
1: people. Mm. And, uh, have you got any involvement with FreeCR?
2: No. I mean, I've been in there a few times and done interviews well. and played live and stuff, mm. but, um, mm. no, mm. I've never um,
1: done a show or anything. Well, well maybe, maybe when, uh all this is over i'm sure there'll be a few spots out there maybe you could actually do a piano accordion show you never know yeah
2: i think oh, i have been yeah. serious
1: i been deadly serious
2: there was a, there was a girl there's a girl in a uh, another melbourne band called vados who was doing a piano accordion show but i'm not sure if it was 3cr it might have been pbs or could have uh, even been
1: triple i'm not sure mm.
2: If I don't think we've got a. Possible.
1: Anything's possible. I don't think we've got. I don't think we've got a piano accordion, Sharon. Uh, you know, a lot of sure. Australian music at 3CR. Yeah, I'd like to talk to
2: you about anarchism,
1: but you know, it's, I guess it's too late. Oh, well, I've, I've, it's not that tough interview. I'm happy. I,
2: yeah,
1: you, you, know. you can always give me a ring and we can talk about that off oh, air. That's not yeah. a problem. <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want to bore people. Because I do, you know, I do a number of shows, and I don't want to bore people. This is mainly about you, this show. Mm. (laughs) Have you ever been compared to (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. Have you? Your surname is Gunston, G-U-N-S-O-N, not Gunston, I assume. Yeah,
2: no, but I do accept
1: Norman as a relative. He's the key, the key, key branch of the family. Is right? are sure well, He's related. an entertainer. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure you're right. You're both entertainers. So I'm sure you're well, right. I grew up with him. I love him. Well, thank you very much for appearing on uh, Radical Australia. I mean, uh, you know, it's just a conversation, but I think it's important that people uh, know what you're doing. And uh, if they want to follow, follow you on the uh, virtual world, I'm sure they can and... Uh, Please let us know what you're doing uh, when the uh, real world comes back because I'd like to come to a pia- uh, piano accordion recital. I mean, I'm would really you? excited. I oh, would. I'm okay. excited. I really am. Uh, All right. Well, I'll, 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 give it, I'll,
2: I'll send you a link to the um, the accordion band and if you just yes. you have to like us on Facebook and then you'll hear about our concert if we ever. We do amazing concerts. <laughs> if if we well,
1: ever be... um, get back okay. into the light. World. The light. Well, thank you very much. Look after yourself and look after the dog and maybe uh, look after the husband and more importantly, look after your parent. All the best.
2: Thank you, Joe. It was lovely to meet you in the, in the audio sphere.
1: Same here. All the best. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.